Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges, and this is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Word of God. We are studying the Gospel of John. Today is episode 87, and we're looking at John chapter 3, verses 22 through 30. Now, John has been introducing the ministry of Jesus here. Jesus had this interaction with Nicodemus in chapter 3, and in verse 15, that was the end of the interaction with Nicodemus. Then verses 16 through 21 were this interlude where John just speaks about light and dark, that uh, God loved the world in this way, that he gave his one and only Son, that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. He sent Jesus to the world to save the world. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light. Now, John returns to more of a, a narrative style. Now, one of the things we've got to recognize with the Gospel of John is it's not laid out like a newspaper report. John is speaking not so you can have information, but so that you can have faith. And as people try to take the four Gospels and and fit them together, that, that works well with the other three Gospels, the Synoptic Gospels. But when you try to fold John into that, sometimes you have problems. And this section we're going to look at today, some people say, I don't think it belongs here in the sequence of events. But that's where we've got to remember, John is not really concerned with sequence of events. John's telling a theological story. And we have to always keep looking back toward the end of John's Gospel, John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, where John says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So this is what John is doing here. He's not trying to just give you a narrative, a book report, a newspaper report of this is what happened. His goal is that you would believe and by believing in the name of Jesus, have eternal life. So he's telling a theological story. And so now he's getting back to John the Baptist. And this will be the the last time we see John the Baptist in John's Gospel. So let's read the passage. John chapter 3, verses 22 to 30. After this, Jesus' disciples went to the Judean countryside, where he spent time with them and baptized. John also was baptized in Anon, near Salim, because there was plenty of water there. People were coming and being baptized, since John had not yet been thrown into prison. Then a dispute arose between John's disciples and a Jew about purification. So they came to John and told him, Rabbi, the one you testified about and who was with you across the Jordan is baptizing, and everyone is going to him. John responded, No one can receive anything unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said I am not the Messiah, but I have been sent ahead of him. He who has the bride is the groom, but the groom's friend who stands by and listens for him rejoices greatly at the groom's voice. So this joy of mine is complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. So we just read through this. or See, Jesus and his disciples went to the Judean countryside where he spent time with them and baptized. 
So what's going on? Jesus is spending time with his disciples, getting to know them, teaching them, building a a group with them together. But it says they were baptizing. Now, later in chapter 4, verse 2, it specifically says Jesus himself did not do any baptizing, but it was his disciples who were baptizing. Now, is this the baptism that we recognize as someone who comes to faith in Christ and is baptized as a a symbol of the, the new birth? Or is this the same baptism that John the Baptist was performing, a a baptism of repentance, somebody repenting of sin and then being purified in baptism as a symbol of that. Well, this is all we have. It just says they were baptizing. Uh, I I saw one author who had said, uh, well, yeah, obviously he was doing the same thing as John the Baptist. Uh, Another author said, there's no way he was doing the same thing as John the Baptist. So all we have to go on is this, that they were baptizing. But then in verse 23, it says, John also was baptizing in Enon near Salim. Now, if you just see that, and because later there's uh, a bit of uh, concern that Jesus is getting more disciples than John, it seems like they're next door and, and, and neighbors. But the geography that John gives is, no, they're not. Jesus is with his disciples baptizing down in the Judean countryside. That would be probably southwest of Jerusalem, where John is up fairly far north from Jerusalem. So they're, they're not near each other, apparently, uh, based on the ge- geography that John gives. But they're both baptizing. And then in Verse 24, uh, John the Baptist adds, since John had not yet been thrown into prison. Many uh, historians think that Jesus did not begin his Galilean ministry until John was put into prison, but he's already been in Galilee in John's gospel. And that's where we have to be careful that some of it is just John tells us things that the other gospels don't, but also John's not that concerned with the chronology of things. John's concerned with the truth of things. So John's adding here, he knows that John the Baptist had been thrown into prison. Well, a dispute arises here in verse 25 between John's disciples and a Jew about purification. We don't know who this is. We, we know that there's been a delegation from Jerusalem, from the Jews, that is the Jewish leaders, Uh, concerned about John the Baptist and what he's doing. So it could be something along that line of this is uh, somebody in an official sense from Jerusalem and doing more investigation of what John the Baptist is up to. But the fact that it's about purification, and and this kind of comes to the background of John the Baptist. Who is this guy and where did he come from? There's a lot of speculation that John the Baptist may have been part of a community called the the Essenes. So we normally in the Bible, we see the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were the the primary two theological groups of the Jewish people. Well, there was a a third group that we don't see in the New Testament, but we know were there. And these were called the Essenes. The reason we don't see them in the New Testament is because they lived, they lived in the wilderness. They were very much into separation. They believed that uh, the rest of the, the Jewish people had kind of drifted off the rails. And they were trying to recover true Judaism. 
and they separated themselves from the, the rest of the Jewish people and lived in these uh, almost monastic communities in the wilderness. This was the group from which we get the Dead Sea Scrolls uh, from the, the area of Qumran. That was an Essene community. And there's a lot of similarities between John the Baptist and the Essenes from Qumran. So as they look at the, the Dead Sea Scrolls, a lot of the things John says sound very similar to writings of the Dead Sea Scrolls from the, the Qumran community. So some people suspect that John may have at one time been part of the Qumran community and picked up some of these Essene practices. Because there's a lot of similarities uh, in, in the language, uh, the way they talk about things. But then there's a lot of differences too, and that's why perhaps John had maybe been part of that community at one time, but then broke away and began his public proclamation ministry, preparing the way for the coming Messiah. And perhaps that is who this Jew, speaking to John's disciples about purification, because purification was a big deal. Ritual purification, which is what John the Baptist is doing in his baptism. That was a, a very big deal to the Essene community. So it's just speculation. We don't know. But somebody wanted to talk to John's disciples about purification. Not just talk, but argue. Well, then there's a twist. So they came to John and said, Rabbi, the one you testified about and who was with you across the Jordan is baptizing, and everyone's going to him. What about the ritual purification that they were having the disagreement about? That seemed to go on by the wayside. The issue is uh, Jesus is getting more disciples than you, John the Baptist, with the implication, what are you going to do about it? We're, we're losing people to that guy, Jesus. And here we have the final words that we see in, in John's Gospel from John the Baptist, where he's maintaining his position of, I am a witness for the coming Messiah. John responded, no one can receive anything unless it's been given to him from heaven. So he's uh, very clear. There are roles here, roles established by God. I am doing what God has told me to do. Verse 28, he says, you yourselves can testify that I said I'm not the Messiah, but I've been sent ahead of him. John's reiterating the point. Look, I am not the Messiah. He is. So of course he will get more disciples. That's the whole point. That is the purpose of my ministry. And then verse 29, he says, he who has the bride is the groom, but the groom's friend who stands by and listens for him rejoices greatly at the groom's voice. So this joy of mine is complete. If you're a groomsman, you're there to help the groom. You're there to serve the groom. You're there to make sure that the, the groom is where he's supposed to be. You're the ones who actually escort the groom to the bride and wait for the, the bride and groom to, to consummate their marriage. And then when the groom yells out that that's complete, the groomsmen outside the door go back and tell the people at the party that the marriage has been consummated. And that's the, the, the figurative language that we have to speak of very delicately here. John says, that's the groomsman. He's happy that he gets to be a part of things, and he celebrates for the happiness of the groom, but it's really all about the groom, and that he sees himself as a groomsman 
and Jesus is the groom. It's all about him. And John is just there to help. John is just there to celebrate. And then he adds in verse 30, He must increase, but I must decrease. And appropriately then, that is all we hear from John the Baptist in the Gospel of John. Now, John the Apostle, in his Gospel, he lifts up John the Baptist and uh, holds him up as as a man of God, a man greatly used by God for incredible things. But he also makes sure it's very clear that John the Baptist was a messenger. John the Baptist was a witness. John the Baptist came to prepare the way and then step aside. And that's what he did. It is all about Jesus. John the Apostle has inserted this last little segment about John the Baptist just to make sure we all see that it is all about Jesus. There's no need to be a follower of John the Baptist anymore. And while that's not a big concern for us, it was at the time that the Apostle John wrote this gospel that we should not be following John the Baptist. We should be following Jesus the Christ. And that is a good reminder for us that we need to be following Jesus the Christ and make sure we're not following anything else. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working our way through the Gospel of John.